Well, let me encourage you this morning with loyalty to the true, then in parentheses, extraordinary, dangerous purposes, plural, of God. That The title of this is important, and usually titles are not all that important. But I want this to kind of capture a little bit of your brain. God has purposes. God has been working on his purposes from the very beginning. And his purposes, we want to be loyal to his true purposes. But then the reality is sometimes his true purposes are both extraordinary and, you want to say it with me? Dangerous. The paragraph that we're going to read is in Acts 22. And these are some of the statements. At once they turned the place upside down. They grabbed Paul, started yelling at the top of their lungs. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. People running from everywhere to the temple to get in on the action. They grabbed Paul dragged him outside, locked the temple gate so that he could not get back in and gain sanctuary as they were trying to kill him. I'm just curious, when was the last church service that you attended that was like even vaguely close to that? And I just wonder, maybe that's why people become bored. And maybe it is that we have stopped pursuing the true purposes of God because they are extraordinary and they're dangerous. Just throwing it out there. N.T. Wright says, yes, (laughs) wherever he goes, there is a riot. That's Paul. Wherever Paul goes, there is a riot. The whole city of Ephesus Now the whole city of Jerusalem, wherever he goes, there's a riot. He has to escape in the middle of the night over walls or to the seacoast. But that is because he is being loyal to the true, if extraordinary and dangerous purposes of the God of Abraham and Isaac Jacob. Now Jewish zealots in his day would say, no, he's not being loyal to the true purposes of God. He's being disloyal. So the same paragraph we're going to read, you have these Jewish zealots saying, he's telling lies against Jews, against Judaism, and against the temple. He's defiled the holy place by bringing a Gentile beyond the outer court of the Gentiles up into the court of the Jew. To the zealots in the paragraph we're reading, they're on pilgrimage to Jerusalem at the the festival of weeks. So it's like in the calendar time that we're in. And there, there's, there, there's, now he is being disloyal. He's not being loyal. He's being disloyal to the true purposes of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Well, let me read the paragraph. Fill you in more on the story. And then let's, we'll just, we're just going to have a mock trial. Who's going to be vindicated? When the seven days of their purification were nearly up, some Jews from around Ephesus spotted Paul in the temple. At once they turned the place upside down, the temple of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was turned upside down. They grabbed Paul. They started yelling at the top of their lungs, Help! You Israelites, help! This is the man who's going all over the world telling lies against us and our religion in this place. He's even brought Greeks in here and defiled this holy place. What had happened was that they had seen Paul and Trophimus, the Ephesian Greek, walking together in the city and had just assumed. They had also taken him to the temple and shown him around. Soon, the whole city of Jerusalem, which at pilgrimage times would be around a million people gathered there. This is not a little city. They're in an uproar. People running from everywhere to the temple to get in on the action. They grab Paul, dragging him outside. They lock the temple gates so he couldn't get back in and gain sanctuary. As they were trying to kill him, word came to the captain of the guard, the Roman guard, A riot. The whole city's boiling over. He acted swiftly. His soldiers and the centurions ran to the scene at once. Police force. As soon as the mob saw the captain and his soldiers, they quit beating Paul. (laughs) They quit beating Paul. The captain came up, put Paul under arrest. He first ordered him handcuffed and then asked who he was and what he had done. All he got from the crowd were shouts, one yelling this and other that. It was important to tell one word from the other. It it was impossible to tell one word from the other in the crowd, hysteria. So the captain ordered Paul taken to the military barracks. And when they got to the temple steps, the mob became so violent that the soldiers had to carry Paul. And they carried him away, and the crowd followed, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! So here's Paul's defense. I mean, is he being loyal or not to the true purposes of God? I mean, it it seems like it's obvious it's dangerous and maybe a bit extraordinary, but is he being true? Well, Paul has just finished seven days of a vow of purification. It was a Jewish vow. The leaders of the church in Jerusalem had encouraged Paul to take that right and also to pay for four others to do it. So Paul is finishing seven weeks of ritualistic baptisms, purifying. I mean, what he's getting right with God according to Jewish customs. He's in submission to James. James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He, he's, he's okay. You guys think I need to do that? I'm okay. I'll do that. It's been obvious that as Paul has shared a story, like God is getting glory from what's happening through Paul 
all over the Mediterranean basin. Thousands and thousands of people, both Jew and Gentile, are coming into relationship with Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. So you judge. Is that the true purposes of God? Or the Jewish zealots say, no, we, we, we're true and loyal to the purposes of God by falsely accusing Paul of defiling the temple based on assumption. Any, I mean, any, any of the ten words kind of jump out when you read that? You shall not bear false witness. You would think that Jewish zealots would know that. Disturbing the peace of the city by inciting a riot, that's a huge thing. In cities that were occupied by the Roman Empire, you did not disturb the peace. If you disturbed the peace, you were in trouble. You would think religious zealots might know that. What about physically beating Paul in hopes of killing him? Any other like ten words kind of come to mind? Thou shalt not murder. Okay, who's accomplishing the true purposes of God? Who's being loyal to accomplish the true purposes of God? A little obvious, isn't it? If the true, though extraordinary, dangerous purposes of God, if, if it's to bear false witness against a proponent based upon assumption and hearsay, is that, is that what it means to be loyal? Is, is it loyalty to the true purposes of God if, if we protect the purity of the temple mound from defilement by Gentiles? Is it inciting riots? Is it physically beating a proponent in hopes of killing them? I mean, is that loyalty to the true purposes of God? I mean, you know, with the right side of your, I don't know which side is right or left. Maybe it's front and back. I mean, maybe in the back, you see, this is the back story. This happened, but, you know, there's a front story. Anybody been reading the headlines? Hello? Some things don't change. Or is being loyal to the true extraordinary, dangerous purposes of God, is it introducing both the Jew and the Gentile to Messiah, to Jesus? Come follow. Is it bearing witness to the resurrection of Jesus, to the arrival of the kingdom of God? God has shown up. God has pledged himself to set things right on the earth. He's invited us to follow him and to join with him. His loyalty to the true purposes of God seeking to understand and practice the new covenant with its impact on people, land, and temple. Which is it? Because the same questions that were going around and around in Jerusalem and the story we're reading today is the same thing that you and I are talking about today. It's painfully the same. 
And it's painfully the same within the church as much as outside of the church. You see, Paul... I believe is vindicated, this, this statement helps define it. This, this, this same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's the creator God who will one day call the whole world to account. And every vindication of Paul is another advanced signal of that eventual day. The God who called the pagan Cyrus to rescue Israel from, from Babylon, Isaiah 45.1 can and will use Roman justice for all its glaring faults to show in advance that God, that Paul himself has done nothing worthy of death. God will vindicate Paul even through the glaring faults of the Roman justice system. Think about that today. Learn to hear the story in these terms and to wrestle with today's complex problems of faith, politics, justice, and loyalty with new courage and hope. That quote (laughs) has really gripped me. And so when I'm being strangled, I'm passing it on to you. And I've got to ask you, will we, as people pledging to be a community that that we're following Jesus, we're learning, we're living together, that kind of community, will we wrestle with today's complex problems of faith, politics, justice, and loyalty, but do it with new courage and hope? And I didn't put it, but I ought to say it because it's on my mind. Are we going to just join the religious zealots that reduce everything to black and white as if it's, there's a simple answer to these things? Are we going to be loyal to the true, so be it, extraordinary and dangerous purposes of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As you think about your answer, as you think about our answer, consider this quote. I want you to read it, then I'm going to read it. I'll get out of the way so you can read it, if you can read it. Squinting. I can see the squinting. It's kind of little. Speaking for a moment as a church leader, I take great comfort in Paul's discomfort, his uncomfortable position. It's where we often find ourselves as church leaders. Zealots to the left of us, zealots to the right of us, zealots in front of us, volley and thunder their absolute and undoubted truths. While those of us have to find a way 
through with real people who are struggling to live real lives in loyalty to the real Jesus know, but realize we simply cannot explain to such people that things are more complicated than that. Not because we have made them complicated or because the gospel itself isn't clear or because we are fatally compromised, but because real life in God's world is complicated. And the gospel must not only address that real life from a distance, but must get down on its hands and knees alongside it and embrace it right there with the love of God. Religious zealots have all the answers. Religious zealots stand distant from the people and just yell what to them is what is right and what is wrong. And I think what N.T. Wright has captured for us is exactly what God did for us. God became a man and dwelt among us. He entered into our humanity. He got down on his hands and knees in the midst of us, lived life with us so that we could know him. And he didn't make it simple. So my friends, are we going to be a community? that resists the pull of joining the parades with the placards, with statements very much like those that grabbed Paul in the temple and took him outside to kill him. And are we going to accept that, man, real life and many of the issues that we're grappling with right now are they're really complicated? And therefore, we have to not reduce God's truth just to a simple statement. Will we be a community that really embraces the true, although extraordinary and dangerous purposes of God? The questions again for us. Will we wrestle with today's complex problems of faith, politics, justice, and loyalty? But wrestle with a new courage and a new hope because Jesus has started something new. And will we be loyal to the true So be it, extraordinary and dangerous purposes of God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Would you take those questions and maybe not answer them right now? Maybe we should think about these for a bit. And maybe this is part of when Jesus says, you know, maybe we've got to count the cost. 
You know, maybe if we as a community go down this path, which, by the way, I think we have already started down this path, so this really isn't anything that's totally new. This is not the path of being comfortable. But it's the path of loyalty to God. He has some great things that he wants to do through us in our generation. And we're the only thing stopping it from happening. (laughs) So Lord Jesus, thank you for those places in the New Testament that, that, that just suddenly cause us to be a bit uncomfortable. And Lord, this is one of those. And Lord, through the story and through the commentary, Lord, I believe that you are really inviting us to face real life in real relationship with the real God and to really invite others to wrestle with us to figure out what in the world is going on. So come, Lord, and help us as a community to answer yes to both of these questions. Yes, we will wrestle and resist simplifying the complexities of life in our day. And yes, we will be loyal to your purposes, Lord, your true purposes. And even, Lord, if they're extraordinary or dangerous to us, we will embrace them and do them as you empower us by the Holy Spirit. And finally, Lord, I not only pray for us, but I pray for those in this world that say we are following Jesus. Lord, I pray for your church all over this globe to stand up and say, yes, Lord, we want you to accomplish through us what you want. And Lord, we want to wrestle with complex issues of life and faith and politics and justice and loyalty. And through that, Lord, we know that you will set things right. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.